Middle school. A time of curiosity, self-discovery, making new friends, losing old friends, the homework, the gossip, the drama. Looking back on my own middle school years, it wasn't good or bad. I just remember it as a really awkward time, feeling insecure and nervous about high school. Back then, I probably would have said it was fun. I liked going to dances and feeling like the cool older kids in school. But there were so many changes going on at the same time. And now, I think I'm just glad it's over. But over the past year, I've been back at middle school, this time as a reporter, feeling a little older, but still kind of awkward. I've spent a lot of time hanging out with students. And in most ways, middle school is exactly the same. Seventh grade in one word, I would say is boring. It's confusing. Roller coaster. Noisy. But this year, middle schoolers are dealing with way more than I ever had to. Because in the final months of their school year, the pandemic changed everything. I'm Elizabeth Miller, and this is the class of 2025. In the next six episodes, you'll hear what it's like to be 13 right now in 2020 from a group of kids we've been following for eight years. We call them the class of 2025. What these 27 kids go through every day shows us what students all over the country are dealing with. And even if it's been a while since you were 12, you'll probably recognize a little of your own middle school experience in the class of 2025. I've only known these kids for about a year and a half. The person who started all of this is my boss, editor Rob Manning. He's been there from the very beginning. Yeah, we started it back when these kids were in kindergarten, first grade, like in 2012, I think. Um, And basically it came from Oregon setting this goal that starting with the class of 2025, that 100% of kids were going to finish high school. And at the time, Oregon had a graduation rate of like 66% or something Mm -hmm. like, I mean, it was not good. It's still not great. Um, And so there was this goal when that came out and they talked about it as the class of 2025, I talked to my editor and was like, you know, that this is not some like esoteric, obtuse goal of like someday we're going to have perfect graduation. It was like, no, actually starting with these kids. Mm-hmm. And at the time they were just about to enter kindergarten. And so I was talking to my editor and I was like, well, somebody should actually get a hold of some of these kids and like see how they're going to do like are we actually going to have every one of these kids finish high school and so my editor turned around and was like well why don't you do that Rob like why don't we do it at OPB and I was like um that (laughs) sounds really hard um I don't you know, okay, you know, I'll give it a try. But people thought you were crazy, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, they still do. Like, I mean, you probably see it too, right, Liz? I mean, I've, I've heard it. I, yes. I mean, I, when I first heard about it, I was, I was like, well, like, I can't believe someone's never done this before, but also, now, like being a part of it, it is a huge project. Right. I mean, the key to it all is the families. Like, you can't, do work with these kids without the parents being involved in it, without everybody being okay with it. And once you have that in, you know, once you have that going on, then it really works. And so we've got 27 kids that we're following. Mm-hmm. They're a range of ethnicities, boys and girls, 
Um, they all started from the same place, Earl Boyles Elementary School in Southeast Portland. And so now, amazing, you know, we've made it now to seventh, eighth grade, and we still have this great group of kids. Yeah. And what's it been like kind of knowing them for this many years and, and seeing them grow up? It's really incredible. I mean, you know, I, I knew this group of kids when they were in kindergarten and first grade, and they were, like you said, I mean, they were little kids. And they were excited to talk into the microphone. They were often they would like raise their hand and want to talk in the microphone. Then you put the microphone in front of them and they have nothing to say. They just like laugh because like really they just kind of wanted you to be there. What'd you do for recess? Got chased. Chased. You got chased? From Wobble. Did he catch you? Sorry. We joke about it, but like you started the project when they were all cute and little and excited to talk to you, (laughs) learning to read. But now I get the moody teenagers. Did you think you'd still be following them so many years later? Well, this was always sort of like the caution (laughs) that I'd hear from editors and from teachers who would be like, "Okay, well, they're fine now because they're only in fourth and fifth grade. But when you show up in eighth and ninth grade, they're not going to want anything to do with you. And what I think is helping us and, and I think I hope is helping you is that we built these relationships over years and so they know who we are and they trust us in a way that they don't trust just some random stranger. Hi, Hi, how are you doing here? Just checking on how things are going. So Rob, what were you like in, in middle school in seventh grade? Do you remember? Not a dig no. on your age. Do you remember? <laughs> Thanks. Um I was kind of nerdy, and I think I was a pretty good student. I was definitely not, like, a popular kid. Um, I had, like, a couple of friends, and I think none of my friends had a lot of other friends either. So we were kind of like a little pod of, like, you know, (laughs) geeky... Of each other, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Liz, when you were in seventh grade, what were you like? I had a feeling this question would come back to me. No, um, I feel like I, kind of similar to you, Rob, just nerdy, but also really wanting to be cool. But I also think of seventh grade as like the time when I was becoming interested in things like theater and singing and music. Um, it, this is a very, you know, ridiculous thing to say, but just like going through a lot of like bad hair days and good <laughs> hair days and just having a very negative relationship with my hair. <laughs> As as seventh grade girls tend to do. Right, right. I think of seventh grade, too, as just sort of like that age when you're like old enough to want to do certain things, but you're still not old enough for people to let you do them yet. <laughs> seventh grade is just like frustrating. <laughs> yeah, you just want it all and you yeah. can't get it. Middle school is tough. These kids are starting to face problems that feel pretty adult. They're juggling school and crushes and friendships and family. And now they have to worry about COVID too. Being in the quarantine is hard because you can't go outside. You can't have any fun, really. This is hard. We're going to take a quick break. And when we're back, what happened when COVID hit? Closing schools and keeping students home for months. We have so much more for you in OPB's First Look newsletter. News, culture, nature, and more from across the Northwest delivered to your inbox each weekday morning. It's your customized guide to the stories shaping our region. 
Sign up at opb.org slash firstlook. I want to take you back to January 2020, pre-COVID, to Ron Russell Middle School in East Portland, where lunch is always a crazy time. Ron Russell is a big building, a newer school. There are huge windows that let in a lot of natural light when the sun's out. The cafeteria is the center of the school. Every day, teachers and administrators roam the tables at lunch. For the students, finding a seat and someone to sit with can be precarious. In sixth grade, everyone had the same lunch, but the seventh and eighth graders get split up. I spent lunch earlier this year talking to John and Anais, two of the kids we've been following. They're both outgoing and like to joke around. John is a kid who loves choir and his bike. Anais loves to draw. They let me hang out with them at lunch, which is kind of an honor. Anais was complaining about her friends getting boyfriends and girlfriends when something flew right by her face. There's some kids that actually do want to start a food fight. Anais and John have a big group of friends that eats lunch together every day. At recess, they hang out by a shed. We usually just go around the shed and talk smack to each other. Really? Yes. That's like the daily basis. If not, we're like. I've spent a lot of time at Ron Russell Middle School getting to know the students and teachers. Yeah, we have a lot of homework. The day I recorded this audio was in the middle of March. And unless you've been living under a rock, you already know what happens next. COVID 19 came to the U.S., first to Washington State and then Oregon, where the first case was actually in a school one just 20 minutes from Ron Russell Middle School. Then, on Thursday, March 12th, Oregon Governor Kate Brown ordered all schools to close, but just for two weeks. For Anais, it sounded like an extended spring break. Like, the last day was, like, basically we had spring break. So we were like, okay, so we're going to only be gone for a week. We're okay. But then one week turned into a month, and then the end of the year. And now, no one really knows when this will end. It's, like, really overwhelming. I can't even see my friend. So just like the rest of us, Anais has been at home. She lives with her mom, dad, and younger brother, Diego. He's in fifth grade. And then there's the family guinea pig, Black Ops. She has, like, gray fur. And she got, like, patches of, like, nice brown. But she also has, like, red eyes. So my brother named her Black Ops. Like, that's actually pretty much a suitable name because, like, with her gray fur, it looks like she's going into war. Anais also has grown up older brothers who drop by the apartment. The place could get so full that sometimes it was hard to find a free outlet. We both had to do our work online, but, like, we kind of have to, like, figure out a way to charge our, like, Chromebooks and stuff. And sometimes it's hard to find an outlet when our house is busy and we always have like a lot of people using the outlet. Anais is a super bubbly kid. She's usually laughing or drawing or both. Math is not her favorite subject. She's always struggled with it. So when school went fully online, she decided to focus all her energy there. I always hated math because I don't really do that much math. So I did math. While Anais was focusing on math, homework in all her other classes began to pile up, and she ended up with 29 outstanding assignments. And then I found out 
I'm just like failing on all my other classes. She was overwhelmed. Learning and doing work at home was hard for her and took longer. She couldn't get one-on-one help from her teacher anymore. Suddenly, math tutoring was her mom's job. The first day we did one of the assignments, it took us an hour. This is Josette, Anaisa's mom. I couldn't understand it. I mean, I even asked my one of my sons. He came over with his girlfriend, and they couldn't figure out the answer. My neighbor's son couldn't figure out the answer. So I'm like, okay. And I finally figured out the answer, but it took an hour. Josette is a bilingual community liaison at an elementary school called Earl Boyles, which means she helps Spanish-speaking families stay in the loop about school. Even with schools closed, she's still helping those families. She delivers food and shares information about programs they may have access to, but not know about. Both schools, Earl Boyles and Ron Russell, are really diverse. There are 32 languages spoken at Ron Russell, and more than 60% of students are students of color, mostly Latino, Asian, or Black. Here's how distance learning works at Ron Russell. Lessons typically get assigned on Wednesdays. Some teachers outline what students should do each day to keep them from being overwhelmed, like language arts teacher Sadie Kensler. Kids are really bad at organizing themselves. Um, Middle school, especially, you know, their just brains are all over the place. And um, so definitely I wanna work on ways to help kids keep themselves organized in all of this. Things like grades and due dates are all more flexible than usual. We're just gonna give everybody lots of grace. You know, kinda have to have that patience and that grace with them. And just about everyone is throwing around the word grace to say this is new, this is uncharted territory, and it's okay if you miss something. Because school is not the same. Some schools are doing live lessons and meetings with teachers, but that didn't happen at Ron Russell or any other schools in this district. A lot of the teachers I talked with said they wanted to teach over Zoom in real time, but it was too much to prepare in too little time. The only real FaceTime Ron Russell teachers were able to offer was an hour a day, four days a week. Office hours. Here's social studies teacher Nathan too. That's a time where they can really get that face-to-face interaction, uh, talk with somebody, and then also get help if they need it. But teachers said most kids didn't show up or quickly signed off once they realized their friends weren't on the screen too. I've been like turning on Google Meets pretty much every day during that time and maybe once a week I'll have a kid pop on. There's some days I get zero students and some days it's like this one or two. So these kids went from being in school all day, five days a week, seeing their teachers and classmates constantly to basically nothing. Now students use email to talk to their teachers or they pick up packets filled with assignments from school. Siblings and pets have replaced their classmates. Anais says it's isolating and uncomfortable. Usually when you're at home, like, you feel like you're at home. Because at home, you don't feel like, oh, you have to do that much work. Like, you feel comfortable. Then over at school, you have to do work. And it's overwhelming. I just don't like doing online learning. I just don't. Josette has tried to get creative about helping Anais with her math, like making her read measurements while they cook Alfredo sauce. Early in quarantine, she considered using card games to teach math, like Crazy Eights or poker, but... I was trying to play, like, a dice game with them, and my kids are like, what am I saying down there? He goes, are you trying to teach the kids how to gamble? (laughs) I'm like, no. I go, but that's what it kind of looks like and sounds like, but, you know, I guess in a way maybe it is. (laughs) 
even though that's not a good habit to have. So she decided against it. Four months into the pandemic, Anais is really missing her friends. I don't have any of my, like, I might have some of my friends' phone numbers, but, like, most of them, I do not have their phone numbers. Right. So I'm going to go, like, how am I going to talk to these people? I can't, like, write them letters because I don't know their addresses. What am I going to do? I'm going to just die here alone in a car. Like most teens, Anais sometimes has a flair for the dramatic. But unlike some of her classmates, she doesn't have a cell phone. So she found a workaround. I have, like, maybe, like, a group chat on my mom's phone. (laughs) She, She keeps complaining on how they're harassing her. Anais finds other ways to entertain herself, too. She has her family, Netflix, plus cool new pencils to draw with. She goes to YouTube for inspiration. Or just asks anyone who's around, including me. So, you gave me the three words, the three random words I needed for inspiration. Frog, flower, and shoe. So I drew these two frogs. So these two frogs are married, right? And today... But she's still looking forward to the day when she can see her friends again. I'm going to say, what's up? It's been like 60 years. How y'all been? Even if she has no idea when that will be. Coming up, maybe there's a bright spot to distance learning. He feels more connected and doesn't have to put up with school, probably. Class of 2025 will be back after a quick break. The Class of 2025 and OPB's education reporting happen with the support of our members. Do your part now and join in as a monthly sustaining member at opb.org pod. Last year was Michael Contreras' first as a principal of Ron Russell Middle School. He's an energetic guy who loves to walk around campus chatting up students. Once it was clear schools were going to be closed for a while, Ron Russell quickly switched to distance learning, which, for the most part, is just plain worse. You'd be hard-pressed to find a teacher who disagrees. So I was surprised when Principal Contreras told me about a kid who is infamous among teachers at Ron Russell. We bleeped his name out to keep it anonymous. I don't know if you've heard the name and I mean, he's, he's an eighth grader. I mean, he never shows up to class. He's always in trouble. There's always one of those kids, you know? School might not interest them, or they may have other things going on at home. But for some reason, the switch to distance learning helped this particular kid. But he's turned in every assignment. Contreras isn't sure why. Who knows why that is, but he feels more connected and doesn't have to put up with school, probably. We're not going to talk about this student. He's not one of the kids we've been following. But... He's not the only one Contreras noticed doing better at home than at school. I mean, if you think of all the horrible things that obviously that are coming out of this, but from an education standpoint, I could see us doing some online stuff or having some different options for some kids. Some school districts have been doing this, creating online-only programs or schools for students who do better at home. When it comes to why they're doing better, there's a lot of possibilities. Sadie Kensler is a seventh-grade language arts teacher. And she has a few ideas. There, there are definitely a few of those that their parents are maybe scarier than me. <laughs> their parents push them more than me. Or they just are, you know, super bored at home. And so they're like, I'm going to do this. Or they're just easier. It's easier for them to do it in the quiet of their own home. Ray Sean is one of those kids. He loves playing video games with his friends and making jokes in class. But like a lot of teenagers I've interviewed, he clams up when you put a microphone in front of him. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. 
But get him talking about something he's into, like sports, and you get a little more. His family's from Ohio, like mine, so we root for the same teams. Except when there's a pandemic and everything has been canceled. You watch a lot of sports. Can't watch him. Can't watch UFC no more. And have you, do you feel comfortable like playing sports with other people or is that like, not right now? You can tell Rayshawn is a smart kid, but he's not really into school and he sometimes gets in trouble. Rayshawn's mom was worried about where Junior, that's what she and Rayshawn's dad call him, was heading. I feel like there's, you know, the kids that are really into education, you have your sports kids and then you have the class clowns. That's Casey, Rayshawn's mom. Junior kind of teetered between the sports and the class clown. Um, And usually the bad part of it wins, unfortunately. If you ask Casey, Rayshawn actually does better learning at home. Just like the kid Principal Contreras told us about. Now it's like the class clown is being paid attention to. And there's discipline actions, you know what I mean, that can be taken. Your phone or your game or your, you know, stand in the corner, do some squats, you know, whatever it is. He has to be accountable. Our family's pretty sports orientated, and you can't have sports without the grade. Rayshon has his own theories about why he's doing better in school now. I get to land Ben and do my work instead of, instead of sitting in hard chairs. Plus, his house doesn't have all the distractions of school. Sure, his little sisters are there. They just bug me. What? They do. He's talking to his mom. They just come to my room, start talking to me. It's in the, in the middle of a court match. And he just comes in and starts talking about some random stuff. That's nothing compared to the hundreds of classmates, teachers, and those hard chairs. But just because school was online didn't mean it was easy. Even though Rayshon's science teacher is his favorite, he still got frustrated with a lesson on rocks. Some of the stuff I didn't get, like the science thing, the website was like terrible, so like, it's hard. At the beginning of distance learning, there wasn't a big improvement in Rayshon's grades. But his mom still saw a difference in him. Now, in a new school year, Rayshon's mom is seeing that difference show up on his report card. She says his grades are better than ever before, and Casey wants Rayshon to finish out the year in distance learning. Rayshon is not so sure. He says he's 50-50. He wants to see his friends, and he'll wear a mask, but he doesn't want to deal with the dumb jokes that feel inevitable on a middle school campus. Yes, I already know. Some weird kids are going to come up to me and start sneezing and coughing on me. But Rayshon is the exception. School in this time has been really hard for most students. Another student we've been following is Shelby. She liked distance learning because she could focus more at home without the distractions of school. But her mom, Julie, saw her getting overwhelmed. She had told me that in a normal week, she'd have like three assignments or two assignments. And when the distance learning started, it was almost like they bumped it up to five a week. And she was really feeling frustrated about that, which then that made it, she felt, um, well, exhausted. (laughs) She was not the only one. Ron Russell teachers saw engagement and student participation drop week after week since distance learning began. Students just stopped turning in assignments. One teacher saw 80% of students turn in assignments that first week. But just a couple of weeks later, that number dropped to 60% for some classes and 30% for others. Here's teacher Sadie Kensler again. A lot of kids have to take care of their little siblings. A lot of kids have to... um, 
yeah, do things at their home where they can't. And so that's been getting more overwhelming. And I think parents and their work going up and down and that's been trouble. And like just all the internet issues. And sometimes I get messages from students who have been absent for two weeks. They're like, our internet went out and now I'm back and I'm gonna do it. And then they're overwhelmed, so they try, but um, they can't get as much done as they want. It wasn't easy. But in the end, all of these students passed the seventh grade. They're one step closer to graduating in 2025. But school is just one part of these kids' very full lives. Next time on the Class of 2025, we'll talk about the fear and anxiety of living through a global pandemic from a seventh grader's point of view. I'm kind of scared of like going into public places or like even going to school because if I get coronavirus it's going to be really bad because my grandpa like he's pretty old and like his immune system isn't very good anymore. The Class of 2025 is a product of Oregon Public Broadcasting. It's written and hosted by me, Elizabeth Miller, with editing by Elissa Dudley and Rob Manning. The show was produced by Elizabeth Miller, Elissa Dudley, and Rob Manning. Sound design and mixing by Stephen Cray. Music from Audio Network. The Class of 2025 podcast was made possible with support from the Education Writers Association Reporting Fellowship. And a big thanks to the Class of 2025 and their families for sharing their stories with us all these years. 